Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. This morning, I want to speak about um, reigning in life. Um, The official title of my message is The Greatest Ministry, and The Greatest Ministry is being able to minister to others, but... But I kind of felt like I, in, that, in those notes that I wanted to, I wanted to step back a bit and, and, and help us to understand the ability to minister to others is, is, is limited by our ability to minister to ourselves and just live life. Yeah. Yeah. You can only give to others to the capacity in which you're reigning yeah. in your own life. If there's no victory in your own life, you've got nothing to offer the person you're, you want to minister to. You with me? And so I, I want to speak a voice of transformation because I, I, I want you to know that there is power to reign in life. Now, the book of Proverbs is, a, um, is an amazing book of wisdom and, and revelation. And, and the, the word Proverbs um, literally means it's sayings of wise sayings, really. That's, that's its effective meaning. But... It has, the, it has a behind that meaning. It literally means to reign in life. So wisdom, revelation in Christ, is there so that you reign in life. Are you with me here? It's about reigning. It's not about being clever. Because one of the things, one of the reasons why I stopped doing Twitter was because everyone was just so clever. Just these 140 characters of cleverness that didn't change anything. <laughs> there was no reigning. It was just clever people. Smart comments. There's too many smart... Alex, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it began with A, but I couldn't remember why. <laughs> There's too many smart Alex out there who've got something clever to say, but we are not here to say something clever. We're here to reign in life. And so in Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 1, let me read this through with you. It says, Ephesians 1, 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of of him who fills all in all. And so we see here that Paul is speaking out. He wants us to understand what is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And then he goes on to and then he goes on to unlock in that um, 
in that message what the spirit of revelation empowers us to be. That when we understand who we are called to be, it unleashes a level of power that is often only whispered of in moments of extraordinary outpouring. Did you hear about this? But is rarely seen or understood in the people who were called to be that. And one of the things that I have noticed is that in our life, we are bound by one of two laws. We're bound by one or two laws. The first one is in Romans chapter 7, where Paul is writing to the Romans and he's speaking of the agony of his heart, describing how he wants to do good things, but he finds himself not doing them. How many of you know what that feels like? You want to be good, but you find yourself you're not being good. And he's speaking about the law of sin and death, Romans chapter 7. It's all about the law of sin and death. And the law of sin and death is when we live under that law, we're guaranteed to fail. Because it is the law of sin and death. There isn't any victory in in that law. It, It contains us. And because of our nature. But then... Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he suddenly liberates and says, but there's a second law. And it is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So you've got two laws. I had a, um, when I was a child growing up, we had a blackbird that lived in our garden for many years seemed like many years anyway, um, and it had a broken wing. And it just, it was, it was, uh, it was a feisty little fella, uh, and he would just flit in and out of the hedgerows. Uh, and how he survived, I mean, we, we grew up with, uh, we had a number of cats and dogs and, and all sorts of, uh, we had over 40 animals, in fact. I was going through with my nephew, um, all the different animals we used to keep. And, um, and this, this, Bird survived by being a ground dweller when in fact it was meant to be a tree dweller. But it couldn't get up the tree because it couldn't fly because its, wings, its wing was broken. And here's the thing with the church. We're not called to be ground dwellers. We're called to fly. But to fly, you've got to have a law that empowers flight. Now, I know we've used this illustration before. We know that the law of gravity supersedes the law of aerodynamics when there is no flight capability involved. But the moment, the moment you apply wings that work, the law of aerodynamics supersedes the law of gravity. Yeah. And the church is often confused because they can't work out why they're not flying, but they've got broken wings. And they've got broken wings because they're not living according to the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, but are living according to the law of sin and death. Now, I want you to, I need you to understand this because if we are going to reign in life, you've got to work out which law is working in you because one's going to keep you on the ground and the other one's going to give you the capacity to soar. 
You with me here yeah. now? Yeah. It says in in Romans chapter and Romans chapter one. Let me read this again, verse one. There is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, we are the blackbird who cannot fly. We're supposed to be dwelling in the trees. We're supposed to be soaring on the thermals. We're supposed to be living a life of promise. I spoke spoke about this a couple of weeks ago where, where... where Jesus responds to Philip's question about who he is, Jesus says to Philip, look, if you, can, if you don't understand who I am, how can you ever understand what you're supposed to be? That if you understand who I am, you will not only do what I do, but you will do greater things than what I do. And what Jesus did, he was so exceptional. We just look at it and go, wow, wouldn't that be amazing? And Jesus' command is... You should be doing that every day. You should be doing greater things than these things. Time to raise your perspective of who we're called to be. Time to shift the spiritual paradigms that, that constrain our thinking and empower us to get that unction on the inside and start to say, if I am not... If I am living on the ground, it's because of the law of sin and death. I want you to redefine what the law of sin and death is. The Bible says those who live according to the flesh. Let's change that word and call call it the law um, who live according to the me. Mm. Me. The moment you say flesh, it sounds obscure. It's like, is it it this? Is it, what is it? Is it a bit of my behavior? No, it's it's me thinking. If I want to live according to the spirit of life, that's Christ thinking. So now, if I could reread that again, let's find that again. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to me, but according to Christ thinking, or the spirit of God in Christ. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, what the law, it was weak through the me nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin in me. Now, understand this. A blackbird with a broken wing can't fly Because its aerodynamic capabilities have been removed. You with me? The Bible says that we don't function in the realm of the spirit all the time. We're living according to a law that keeps us on the ground. And that is because we function in the me thinking. I'm thinking about 
me. I'm thinking about my motivation. And here's the challenge for the Christian faith. Here's the challenge is that we visit church on a Sunday. We maybe catch up with friends on a Wednesday night in midweek groups. We might go to the occasional prayer meeting, but we're still living each day thinking about me. They official commentators of each generation. You have the, had the baby boomers. Um, you had the um, millennials. That was the, that was the, the millennials work, I think, sort of finished around, um, around 2000 or somewhere around there. Anyone born between 1980 and around 2000, those they were the millennials. So, so um, many of you here would be millennials. And then... People born after that became known as the I generation. But the I generation is now, by philosophers, is, has been re, redefined. This is the, the world's commentators are calling it the me generation. We live in a me world. Now, we know that. We know that the world is centered upon me, how I feel. This is who I am. This is what I feel. My life is defined by what I feel. It's all about me and my feelings, right? Now, if you look at that, you see, you see the implication of that, but we fail to understand that the, that atmosphere is impacting us. Like an atmosphere that touches a church that just takes the edge off its power. Because it's something which would... One, one of the things here... I might irritate some people here because I, I know I'm blethering on a little bit this morning. I'm trying to keep focus. But <laughs> I put on, I put on um, Facebook and Instagram yesterday because it just, it just sort of, it gets to me. And every so often you just feel you need to say something. And it's, it's this statement. And I don't know where it came from. But it's been going for a long time and we've preached this, right? It's not about destination. It's all about the journey. Which is rubbish, right? Because it's not all about the journey. If it's all about the journey, it's all about me. If it's not about the destination, what on earth are you doing? It's all about the destination. The destination is where we spend eternity. Eternity is a very, very long time. <laughs> a million years in eternity... It's a very long time. We're not here long. If, if this little 70, 80, 90 years, 100 years is the journey, then it's not about the journey. It's about the destination. If it's about the destination, then I'll do anything on that journey to get to the destination. So we've got to start speaking about a destination that, that leads us into the presence and the power of Christ rather than speaking about a journey where we spend our life going, well, as long as I'm comfortable, as long as I'm just enjoying myself, it's all about the journey. Let's just make it all about me. Mm. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. Right? <laughs> so we've got to understand that if all the time we're focusing on what makes us 
feel happy. Well, if as long as you feel happy, that's a nonsense. What we've got to understand is where we know God is leading us to. Some of the things that he leads us to are through difficult processes, hard decisions, difficult approaches. These are not happy moments, but they are deeply satisfying as you press into the presence of God and find that his hand is upon you as he comes down and says, good on you. I love you, James. I don't know why anybody loves you, but but apparently Jesus does. I encourage the whole church like this. I've learned my pastoral. It's finally home. And that ability for God's hand to rest upon you and go, it's all right, I'm with you, I've got you in this moment. Because how many of you know that regardless of how you started your year and you started those statements where you went, oh, this is a year of power, this is a year, this is a year of restoration. Well, all of those declarations are true because they're declarations of life according to the law of spirit of life. But the law of sin and death still operates when the wings are broken. And here's the amazing word that comes through scripture that deals with broken wings. That's what I'm coming to. It says here, Galatians chapter 4. Paul again comes back to understanding a spirit of revelation, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And he says this in Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. To redeem those who were under the law. To redeem those who were under the law. To heal the broken wings of those who were kept on the ground. That we might receive the spirit of adoption. Whoa, I've got my wings back. As sons. And because you are... Sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his sonship into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Here's the deal. You know you're going to fail when you decide according to your me nature that you're going to be spiritual. You know you're going to fail. When you decide according to your me nature, you're going to be spiritual. How many of you ever tried this? You've had a revelation. Your thinking's a bit just rubbish. Negative, unbelieving. How many of you have had those thoughts? (laughs) So you decide to have spiritual thoughts, but you can't think of any. (laughs) So you're desperately trying hard. I'm thinking of worship. I'm thinking of worship. I'm thinking, I'm believing for something. Do you know what it's like? It's like driving a car with the tracking off. You can't fix the tracking on your wheel. If, if your tracking is off, the car is always going to go in the ditch. Take your hands off the steering wheel, it just does it. How many of you have driven a car? You take the hands off the steering wheel, it goes... And you spend your life going, constantly readjusting the steering wheel. That's you living according to the law of sin and death, but trying to apply spiritual values over top of it. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Very good. 
But the law of sin and death is still operating because the tracking's off. You can't correct the tracking by steering it. It doesn't matter how much you steer that thing, the tracking's still off. In fact, you rip your tires to pieces and you'll grow tired and you'll wear out. That's one of the reasons why Christians grow tired and they wear out. Because they're trying to be spiritual with the law of sin and death operating. (coughs) They're trying to keep that thing on the road, but that, that thing's just trying to go in the ditch. Here's what Christ does. He doesn't say, you've got to think different. Now, you've got to think different. He says, this is who you are. So instead of giving you a list of instructions, which is the law of sin and death, like if I just do this and this, this is according to you. This is according to your sinful nature. This is according to your me nature. This is not a now longer. This is now a revelation about identity. Suddenly, I'm no longer held by the law of sin and death because I've suddenly got a revelation. I'm a son of God. I'm an inheritor of everything that he has. And if you are struggling with your spiritual identity, then just don't go anywhere until you've discovered the full implication of what it means to be a child of God. We spend our life running around trying to do things with the tracking off. When we should just step back a bit and spend time going, what does it mean to be an heir? Of unaccountable fortune. So much wealth. So much vastness of kingdom. It is immeasurable. God owns it all. And he said, I get to share in it. What on earth does that mean to me? If I am a child of God, so that our heart cries out, Abba, Father, then something shifts on the inside and I'm no longer driving a car with the tracking off. I'm no longer a bird with a broken wing. But I find myself soaring have you ever had one of those dreams where you can fly? I get them every so often, you know. They're, apparently, they're dreams of happiness. And it just means you're happy. It's just walking down. I, I often have it. I'm walking down. I'm in a dream. I'm walking down the footpath. And then I just kick my legs a little bit more. And I'm off the ground. It's a weird thing. It's a weird. I mean, yeah, maybe I shouldn't talk about this too much. People are going. It just, and then you start to fly and you find yourself soaring. I want us to understand that there is a moment, there are moments of just understanding the soaring moment. When God comes and he picks up and we shall rise up with wings of eagles. Yeah. We weren't called to be ground dwellers. Mm-hmm. We were called to soar with the spirit of God. Yeah. The greatest ministry is the ability to minister to others. Yeah. To minister to others, we've got to learn how to soar. When you've learnt this simple revelation, I am a child of the king. And I'm an inheritor of everything that he has. When you've got that, you've got something to give. And that is what we need to do. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.com junctionchurch.com. God bless.